Now we'll be in James chapter 4, the book of James chapter 4. Glad we can dig into God's Word. The uh, only thing is, when you hear James, you know we're talking about practical Christian living. Uh, is full, that's what the book of James is full of. Uh, so sometimes we... Uh, we kind of hesitate with that because uh, uh, we're okay when you know you preach messages to sinners. We're okay with that, right? They need the Lord, you know. And then uh, we get to books like this, then we uh, we hesitate a little bit, but it's all right. Uh, I'm glad that God's Word not only can show us where uh, we can grow in grace and knowledge in Jesus Christ, but also God, the God of God's word helps us to do that. You know, he doesn't just give us something and, and not help us. So I'm thankful that we have help uh, whenever we need it. Uh, and I'm glad that his word, uh, it, it, it's not a mystery either. You know, I'm glad a lot of these things, when it talks about practical living, uh, it's not a deep mystery. It's just here's what needs to happen or here's what doesn't need to happen. Uh, and the rest is up to us. It's a choice. Uh, I was reading a little bit of Tozer this afternoon, and he uh, he he was talking about you know man's uh, you know a lot of these things God lays it out, and it's up to us what what we're going to choose. And I was like, dude, you're hitting the nail right on the head. I I, I see that in God's word as well. So, um, but James four thirteen. This uh, shouldn't be a uh, something you've never heard before, but James 4.13, uh, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be in the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you receive, uh, now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, that you would open up our lives and uh, that we could get a true assessment, uh, Lord, and then help us to draw closer to you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all things. We just want to be found doing your will. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. Like I said, Book of James, very practical, uh, written to Christians. Uh, we know that because in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My brethren, right off the bat, we know who he's talking about. And then by the time we get to chapter 4, uh, I saw a theme that seems to be recurring, and that's humility. Uh, in verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth more grace to the humble. Uh, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. In our passage, we see kind of the opposite of humility right we see uh, the opposite of what's going on we see uh, the making plans for the future and not humility but we see pride the opposite that's what we see right off the bat verse 13 go to now or come now uh, ye that say today or tomorrow uh, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain so here is multiple individuals, we don't know how many, but more than one, are planning to travel from the city that they're at to go to a different city, and here's the purpose. They're going to buy and sell, right? And they're not just going to buy and sell to trade things out. They want to make money. They want to make a profit doing that. Uh, and here's, uh, I, I think sometimes we get to illustrations like this, and, and one of the, I don't know if we call it a problem, but one of the differences in culture from then to now is, is I believe 
believe that there's a whole lot more of us working for employers than working for ourselves. Not a lot of us have our own business or anything like that. Uh, where in the Bible times, more people were working for themselves. They were doing things like this normally. Uh, in the Bible times, uh, they had businesses. Uh, they weren't huge corporations. Uh, but remember Paul, he made tents so that they could be sold to sustain uh, his living. So here's this group. We don't know what they're buying and selling. We don't know what their specialty is. We don't know what their business name is. We don't know anything, their marketing strategy or anything. But, uh, and really we don't know why they're leaving this city. I don't know if the that city they'd sold to everybody. It was saturated. They didn't have another person to sell to in their home city. Or maybe there was more of whatever they specialized in in this other city. But, uh, but what they wanted to do was get gain, right? That's what we see. They were getting gain. Uh, and and here's, the, here's another uh, problem that people run into with this passage. They'll say, well, oh, I got it. I got the problem. They were getting gain, right? As if making a profit is the problem. That's not the problem here. You know, that, uh, that's not what's going on. They're forgetting uh, because someone who would say that, you can turn to Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. Remember, what was she doing? Uh, she was doing several things. She was making things with her hands, selling them to merchants for a profit. Uh, and that was praiseworthy. That, that wasn't sinful. That was a virtuous trait that she was doing. Uh, so you think, here's the problem. Uh, they didn't say at the beginning, uh, uh, today or tomorrow, we let's consider going or let's talk about it or let's pray about going to such a city and continuing. No, they said, we will go, right? There's the problem right there is that little phrase. They're saying, we will go. We're going either later today or tomorrow. We're leaving. We've made our minds up. That's what's going to happen. We're going to go. But here's what the Bible says. The problem is verse 14. And I memorized this one a long time ago, uh, uh, but sometimes it escapes. But this was one of the ones we did with those little red scripture memory books. This was the first set. Uh, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And you think of that powerful image. All you have to think about is a pot of boiling water on the stove. That steam rises up. And if you've ever looked at it and thought about this verse... That steam is gone in a fraction of a second. You see it and it's gone. And that's what the Bible's talking about our life. You're thinking, well, what about people that live 75, 80, 85, 90, however long, many years, a long life, but in the view of eternity, it's that quick. That's what the Bible's saying. It's but a vapor. It appears really quickly, but then it's gone. It's evaporated. It's gone. And here's the problem that 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 short life is not just a problem to the businessman, but also the Bible is saying, hey, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Right. So two problems. Your life is short and you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So these two things. Uh, and if you've ever noticed uh, when we make plans, what do we do? We assume the way it is yesterday and the way it is today are going to be what tomorrow is going to look like. Or uh, tomorrow's Monday, maybe we assume this Monday is going to look like last Monday and going to look like the Monday before. That's not always true. Sometimes it works. It's not always true, right? That's what we, we make assumptions as if things won't change. 
A lot of times tomorrow, we're not planning for some radical departure of what's normal in our society, right? September 11th, we didn't, make up, we didn't wake up that morning expecting our lives to be turned upside down. It didn't happen. Uh, we weren't expecting it. It was a normal, nice day. And then all of a sudden, everything we knew was turned upside down. And that's what God is saying. You don't even know what tomorrow holds. They could have been planning on buying and selling a certain thing and not realizing but that by the time they got to that city, either that thing wasn't being made anymore or nobody wanted it anymore or something like that. Uh, many companies have tried to do that. They've tried to guess what people want, right? And then when they guess wrong, it's a flop. You know, movies, different things like that, and they lose a whole lot of money. Aren't you glad that the Lord knows tomorrow? I'm glad of that. I don't need to know tomorrow. In fact, if we knew what tomorrow was to hold and we knew the problems that were ahead and the different difficulties, it would stress us out even more than we already are stressed out. But I'm glad God knows tomorrow and he can get us ready for today for what tomorrow holds. And here's what you ought to do. Verse 15, what, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So he's saying instead of, we will do this tomorrow. If we know that our life is short, we know that it's uncertain, we should be saying, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And here's the thing. That doesn't mean that we never make plans. Right? right? We have to make plans. You know, you learn that the hard way if you're trying to do something big, you're trying to do a project, you don't plan ahead. You're not going to have the right things at the right time. You know, I think about when Aaron and them built our house, they had to schedule everything to be ready. And if things got out of whack because of a certain bank, I, that was, it would throw a wrench into everything. And then suddenly the day that was really nice to do something outside then turns into a rainy day and throws it all out. We've got to make plans. And here's, maybe this isn't you, but this is what I've heard myself saying and other Christians saying. A lot of times we'll say, Lord willing, but we'll use it like a disclaimer, right? You know what that is? That's like uh, a common disclaimer I hear. We joke about it. Brooke and I do. Uh, is um, Now I'm already forgetting it. If, with all due respect, right? If you say that first, you can say anything after that, right? You can just lay it out there. Like you can really be mean. We, la we joke about that. Uh, uh, but that it's almost like a disclaimer sometimes with Christians. They say, well, Lord willing, I'm going to do that. And really what we're saying is I've already made up my mind. And really that Lord willing is as long as the Lord doesn't mess it up, I'm going to do what I want to do. Ooh. Right? Have you ever done that? We say it. We know this verse. We say it. But that Lord willing isn't genuine. The Lord willing is stay out of it, Lord. I want to do this. This is my plan for tomorrow. And again, we've got to plan ahead. We've got to make preparations with different things. And the sin here is not the planning. It was the planning for the future without consulting the Lord, without consulting his word, uh, and the one who knows the future. This reminded me of a very uh, similar passage that Jesus gave, Luke 12, 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to skip down. 
Luke 12, 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Uh, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And we see this a lot. People spending their whole life building an empire. And then even the Bible is telling us not only uh, is there the sin against God, but do you see... What the end of verse 20, he says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? We've seen this too. I have seen, you know, a, a, a family business where they build up this great empire. And then when the, the, the last parent is about to pass away, they're fighting each other already. They're already lawyering up and getting everything uh, or, or when someone's going to die. Or uh, one of the other things, you know, I bachelor's degree was in business. So we studied a lot of different businesses over the years. And one of the things we saw over and over again is you'd have a founder that worked really hard, that started from nothing, built this giant corporation, passes it down to the son that did not start from nothing, right? And was living in luxury the most of the time growing up. And then all of a sudden they get the company and they can't handle it, right? They can't do it. They run it into the ground. That's what he's saying right here. You are trying to build something so great, right? This rich, uh, this rich farmer this time, uh, and you know, didn't have any room, so he's going to build bigger. And and God called him a fool, and said, not only are you going to be gone, your soul is required, but all the stuff you built, who knows what's going to happen to it? Who knows? So is he that layereth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The blessing of that verse is thinking about the opposite, right? The one that poured everything into his farm and, and tore down the barns and built greater and was going to have great ease and great blessings for a long time, now flipped to the other side. What about us that are saved, that are laying up treasures in heaven? What will that look like? I don't know. But it excites me to think about it from time to time uh, that, yes, we may go without some things down here. Yes, we could have worked, uh, uh, you know, instead of uh, being a pastor, I could have worked another job or something like that. But I'm telling you what, whatever small money gain the Bible is saying, even if you laid it up and had it till you die and passed it on, they may fight over it after that. But I'm glad that we can lay up treasures in heaven where there's not going to be any fight. The moth and rust aren't going to corrupt. Thieves aren't going to steal. Uh, inflation's not going to cut it in half or anything else. I'm glad uh, we've got a great future. Back to our passage, but verse 16. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. The world does this a lot, right? The world is boasting. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I've done. Here's my big plans. And they never think about their soul. They never think about eternity. But, you know, Peter even boasted as well. Remember, he told the Lord, I'll never deny you, yeah. right? I'll die with you. I'll die with you alongside of you. And before that night was over, he's denying the Lord three times and then the cock crows, right? Yeah. That's exactly what happened. He was boasting. He said, I'm going to die for you. 
Proverbs 27.1, very similar. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But you know what? I've used some of these passages over and over again to remind sinners that they need to come to the Lord, right? Isn't that what we use these a lot? We say, hey, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's going to happen later today. You don't know. Uh, uh, you may leave this life. You know, something may happen. You may get into an accident, hit your head, and your mind is never right again. You just don't know. But then I was wondering, there's nothing wrong with that. They, they are good uses of these verses. But remember, it's in the book of James. So it applies to the church as well, right? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Our life is short and it's uncertain. Whether you're a sinner or a Christian, it's true all the way across the board. And as Christians, we've got to focus on doing God's will before it's too late. We only have so much time and it's uncertain. What do we need to focus on? Not being prideful, but being humble, trusting in the Lord to supply us, trusting in the Lord for direction, seeking him for wisdom. So when, if tomorrow comes, we're ready. And then finally, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. And see, here's the danger. If we think of it, tomorrow as being uncertain and our life as being short, one of the things that the devil can do is paralyze you with fear and do nothing, Right? Well, uh, just do nothing. We'll just give up. I mean, why even, why put all these plans into place? Why, why work on a project that takes five years of, uh, of doing something with the church? Why, why do that if he may come tomorrow or something like that? But that is a sin as well. Life is uncertain. But when we recognize opportunities to do good, right? To do righteous things, faithful things, we need to do it. Right? And what is the book of James talking about over and over again? Not just giving lip service, right? Yeah. Faith without works is what? Is dead. He's saying, hey, these things have to have actions behind them. Right? And that's what right here. You, yes, you believe. That's great. Yes, you trust the Lord. Yes, you're going to put everything in the Lord's will. But what about today? What about now? And the Holy Spirit leads us in a certain way when we feel that pull we need to do it and one of the things i've learned in my life is the greatest blessings when you're in the center of god's will but the hardest thing to do is to stay there amen we're getting pulled in every different direction it's hard to stay there it's not easy and for a mature christian a lot of times we're not trying to figure out what god wants us to do in our life we're trying to get the weak flesh out of the way and do what the, our spirit wants to do that bears witness with the Holy Spirit that's leading us. The biggest example of that, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, the certain priest, the Levite, see the man who is a Jew, one of them. They're half dead, beaten up, robbed, and everything else. And they see him on the road to Jericho, and they pass by on the other side. And Jesus was giving an extreme example with that parable. And you, we know the Good Samaritan ends up doing what should have happened. But for the certain priest and the Levite, what good is their religion? Right? Their religion said you need to bless your enemies. Right? Isn't that in the Old Testament? You need to bless your enemies. That was another Jew. And they're walking around on the other side. If that's the way we live, our religion is just as worthless yeah. to the outside. What are they going to see? Everyone saw that. People are wondering, oh, 
Here's a big problem. Here's a messy situation, right? What's the religious person going to do? If we walk around, this world will just use it to say, look. They talk about love. They talk about care. They talk about they could have the, the name of the church could be the arms and feet of Jesus. But if they don't see it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And this is James. The world is watching, right? What is this world watching for? They're watching, are we going to build bigger barns? Or are we going to do God's will, yeah. right? That's what they're watching for. Because this world understands building bigger barns. They understand that. That makes sense. You get to the point where you've outgrown your operation and you uh, double, triple the size and, and everything else, the world understands that because the world's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. You know what the world can't understand? Is when you go to your friends and family and say, the Lord has called me to do this. Or the Lord's called me to do that. And they're saying, now what? Say that again. You're going to pack up and go to another country. You're going to answer the call to preach. You're really going to take all that time to study and teach. You're going to do these things? Almost as if we're throwing away our life. The world doesn't understand that. But guess what? They won't at first. But what I've seen a lot of times is once adversity hits, they start to see something different. Once adversity hits our life, they see how we handle it. And then once it hits their life, they know where to turn. What do we need to do? We need to pray that the Lord would help us point out those areas in our lives where we are knowing to do good and not doing it. Right? Let's ask God to do that. He'll help us with that. And I think if we start making even some small changes, we're going to see some huge results. We've got people that are lost. We're praying for over and over and over again. And we're not stopping either. We're not stopping till they get saved. But I will say this. They're watching. Yeah. And that's what James is reminding us over and over again. They're watching. Right? What, a lot of times when it talks about this faith and different things, people struggle. They say, well... Paul's got one salvation that's uh, uh, by faith without works. And then James has another one that uh, is faith plus works. But no, as you dig into James, a lot of times he's talking about what people see. Right? You can't see my salvation. You can't see my heart. Now, I hope you see effects from it. That's James. Right? But people can trick. Right? Either way. But James is saying, hey. What you say on the inside, they should see it on the outside. What, they, what you say on the inside, they should hear it out of your mouth, right? Chapter 3. And you can go through, and that's what I see in this book a lot of times. But aren't you glad that, like I said at the beginning, God has not given us a book of things that are impossible and then mad at us when we don't perfectly follow it. He's not that God. He is a God that has given us things that we can't do without him. You know, what drives me a little crazy is when people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. That is a lie. Because if that was true, we would never need God for anything. It's not true. God will, I'll change it a little bit. God will never give you anything you can't handle without him. That's it. That's it. We're going to open up the altar tonight.